Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which invites the best guests and we ask them to share with us their perfect hypothetical music festival. I'm Matt Horse and my job is to jump into the mosh pit inside the mind of our fabulous comedian. Today, my guest is the most rock and roll of all. He is an award-winning alternative stand-up comedian, founding member of the Victorian-obsessed punk band, The Men That Will Not Be Blamed For Nothing, and fittingly, he's the author of A History of Heavy Metal. Put your horns to the sky and welcome Andrew O'Neill. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, mate? Raw, <laughs> <Roar>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty metal. You know what, like, um, I've always been a massive fan of metal, but I don't think I sound very metal on this podcast, you know what I mean? I think I sound like a, <laughs> a car insurance salesman kind of thing. You're too gentle. Oh, okay. Uh, can you give me some advice to be a bit more metal? Like, what can I do to kind of be a bit more... Um, belt up. <laughs> <laughs> Grow your hair. Yeah. My hair is too short. Okay, um, I'm so- and, you know, just, like, drink more, headbang more. You need your <laughs> neck to be thicker than your head. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm genuinely, I genuinely can't buy smart shirts that fit me because you buy them by, by color size. <laughs> and I've got a thick neck with a skinny, withered body. So Listeners won't be able to see you, but it's, it's all neck, Andrew, isn't it? It's just, it's a, like a, a little pimple on top. That's essentially. Well, welcome to the podcast. Obviously, like you, you've literally written about heavy metal. You've literally written a book about it as well. Uh, yeah. So when did you first get into like heavy metal? Well, it began with my love of Queen. Um, oh, brilliant. So about ni- 1986, I got heavily into Queen. So that started off the guitar thing. My parents were always listening to Radio 2. Mm-hmm. So I had a kind of grounding in that sort of 50s, 50s rock and roll and 60s and 70s and 80s pop. And then um, it went from, from Queen, I got to Public Enemy, Public Enemy, I watched Bring the Noise with Anthrax and decided I liked that. Yes. Um, Wayne's World was an influence. Oh my God. Um, and then I got into Hendrix and then I got into Metallica and then... <laughs> like... <laughs> the floodgates opened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And outside of like going to work at festivals, have you uh, do you, have you been to many like festivals in themselves, or how many live shows have you been to? I mean, I've 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 been to I've I, I don't know I've completely lost count of how many festivals I've done. I mean, I've, you know, I will have been to something like fifty festivals, maybe more over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I it, it's interesting because I used to think that like download was a festival. Mm-hmm. Until I went to Glastonbury, and then I went, oh, yeah. oh, I see. That what mm-hmm. download is is a large corporate outdoor gig, and what <laughs> Glastonbury is is something. I was like, because I for years I was I was one of those people. Was like, oh, yeah. Glastonbury oh, it's just all Joe Wiley and middle class, and I don't want to go to it. And I was really proud of never having been. Mm-hmm. And then the band got booked to play it. And I and I completely fell in. That. I was like, oh, I, now I get it because yeah. all the all the stuff that's on TV. That's like that's like one tiny little area of it, and mm-hmm. and you know that is literally like that's Radio One, and then all of other popular culture is there. Yeah. Um, and and in, and Britain's entire counterculture, you know, st- it's still a fundamental spine that that kind of underpins Glastonbury. So, I'm going to my um go, my girlfriend's on Thursday, and we're doing Glastonbury. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna that's great! Do all of the, all of the Glastonbury things we would have done <laughs> as far as possible. Um, so. Next week might be a write-off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect way to kind of enter, because I'm very much looking forward to your festival. But what we're going to do now, we're going to go and set up camp. Needing a week, a late last night, and I've got no place to go. 
I took a wrong turn and now I'm here. I'm pissing So before we can have your dream festival, we have to kind of see the admin behind it. So we're going to learn some basic information about your festival. So okay. what's the name of your, your festival, Andrew? Um, it's called Wattstock. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and, and 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 the logo is um, the oxo a huge oxo cube with <laughs> with with a question mark behind it. This is like it's like it has kind of like a Riddler from the Batman vibe from it as well, especially yeah. if it's a green oxo cube. <laughs> there's and 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 part of the theme of the of the festival yeah. is never never giving anyone enough information. <laughs> and in many ways, like nearly all. <laughs> Small to medium festivals oh. I've ever played at. That is, it's not an original idea. So, oh. so having people wandering around going, "How do we?" I've got. I need to get the fit. You know, uh, the lack of organisation is something. The people who've never played a festival won't know. Uh, the average festival that you perform at, you have to spend at least half the first day trudging about, not knowing where you're supposed to be going, oh. where, and then you find out that the ca you've, the campsite. Oh, you need to go all the way right, like, right the way back. Yeah. Yeah. There's always there's always a, the person in the porter cabin. There's always a relish with which they go. <laughs> right, you've got to go right the way over there. See that mud track? You have to go all the way through. You have to slide through it. Right. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you're not allowed to walk. <laughs> You have, to, yeah. you have to worm your way through. <laughs> but what I love most about that, because uh, this is, firstly, that's the most realistic depiction of a festival on this podcast so far. <laughs> Secondly, that this is a dream music festival, and in your dream music festival, it's like, yeah, chaos, that's what it is. <laughs> but, well, I don't know about your dreams, but my dreams, I never get what I want. <laughs> so, oh. so, you know, if yeah. it... If it, if, you know, does involve my dream line, there, there has, you have to pay for it somehow. You know, there's, there's, there's generally, and it's like, you know, doing Donington, for example, mm -hmm. um, comedy at Download is part of, it's not part of the festival because they don't, the guy runs doesn't like comedy. Yeah. So you're part of the campsite entertainment, which means that you camp with the people who run the burger vans yeah. and all that sort of thing. And you're not, it's not like you, you don't get an artist pass. You don't get, you know, I mean, I basically where you're camping is always oh, right, right. The way, right. Yeah, absolutely. You don't yeah. want that thing. How do I get to the camping? You don't want to start from here. So at, at your, at what, what stop? Yeah. Just is it massively camping? Because a lot of people have kind of gone against camping in this festival, uh, in, in their festivals. Do you like camping? Yeah, of course. I mean, like what? Yeah, right. Like, okay. If you don't like camping, just fucking watch it at home <laughs> you have to have communion with the earth in a yes, festival right? I love that. you have mm -hmm. to you have to camp I, I, there's one one festival i didn't camp which was when i did bloodstock um and uh, and i got paid uh more than usual for it mm -hmm. and uh, it coincided with stephanie and my wife's birthday and so we got a hotel for that and it felt so much like we were separate from it because you go home afterwards. Yeah. Everyone else is not getting pissed with each other and that sort of thing. So, so camping is camping is mandatory. No one's allowed. Yes. I'd be like, I would have it like Glast <laughs> it would be like Glastonbury, where the yeah. campsite is just, is is in. When you're in the festival, you're in. Yeah. So you don't go off site. So you're in the festival. Um, the campsites are next to the stages, and the stages are in between the campsites. Mm -hmm. um, it's on one sector. It's not like yeah. different parts. Yeah. And you know, campfires are allowed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And 
and the camp i mean i the thing is camping at festivals for me probably feels like what being in a hotel feels like for most people yeah. because the way i normally camp which yeah. is with a without a tent um and under a you know sometimes under a tarpaulin but often yeah. it's driving rain <laughs> and i'm bike packing around the, the wild parts of the country so so for me being in a tent is luxury I mean, yeah. Luxury. <laughs> yeah so yeah mandatory, mandatory camping that's a you know what i'm glad someone's finally spoken up for camping because uh like i love it yeah. as well and i think yeah you absolutely need that kind of that, that's what makes a festival so good as well like feeling like you know waking up in like a whole of thin sheets as well um <laughs> yeah yeah okay so whereabouts geographically is is what stock or is it just like have you planned that far ahead we'll put it somewhere maybe on the south downs yeah right yeah so you've got the climate of the south of england yeah but you've got a little bit of little bit of stuff to look at yeah well, obviously the more picturesque the place the more likelihood the chance of getting flooded out are. yeah so so we'll go with the South Down. So you're elevated, so it's not going to flood like Glastonbury does. Mm-hmm. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing who is in your festival. So let's go to the first day of your festival. Castable, are you ready? Here we go. Okay, day one is punk day. Okay, and is it, like, how many days have you got? Is it three, three days? Three, cool. yeah. So punk day. Three days. Love it. Punk day. We kick off with Napalm Death. Oh, wow. Strong opener as well. So this is opening the festival, Napalm Death. Opening the festival is Napalm Death. Now, Napalm are um, one of the most reliable bands I've ever seen. Yeah. They are, uh, they've never disappointed me live. They are blistering and brilliant. And they're deeply uncool, which I love. <laughs> And 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 they're just really nice guys as well. Yeah. So Barney, who's the front man, who was called Barney after Barney Rubble because of the way he, he runs about the stage. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, they'll, they'll start with with they'll start with a song, and then they'll go, "Yeah, hi, yeah, weird napalm death here from Birmingham." <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, no, it's really you know it's really lovely to be here. You know, it's a bit weird for us being you know, on a stage this big. You know, so do you know what I mean? This one's cool. <laughs> this one's called. Easy mates. Well, you know, yeah, I, I love that so much because people who have never heard of Napalm Death before, like, and also there's a kind of a stigma towards uh, metal music, and especially like people who've never really listened to metal as well. And I go, Napalm Death, what is this? And if they go, Yeah, all right, I'm, ba- I'm Barney, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also what people don't realise is they go, oh, Napalm Death. That's a mad sounding name. Yeah, they know. Yeah. They, they live within society. They know that Napalm Death is a funny name. Yeah, Cradle of Filth know that Cradle of Filth is a funny name. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 part of that pushing the ridiculousness that's that's part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we have Napalm opening, uh, then Discharge. Okay, I've never heard of Discharge. How old are the band Discharge and uh... Discharge um, are still a going concern? Depending on, like a lot of these bands, depending on who you talk to. Um, (laughs) So we're going to have mid '80s discharge. Okay, because with Cal Mm. with Cal on vocals, Mm -hmm. um, and Discharge are a um, furious anarcho-punk band Mm -hmm. um, who have this incredible. At that point, they've got this incredible guitar tone. um, So it has lots of chorus on it, and they also invented, um, along with a couple of. 
bands around around their scene the d beat which is do get to get to get to get to yeah you know um and do get to get to get to get to get to get to get and you hear that in in you know d beat is a whole scene now um so like again like so taking napalm's energy and and ramping that up and they're you know political band but i would have i would have a you know a mid to late 80s discharge lineup discharge actually um uh pissed everybody off by going glam which <laughs> yeah is yeah an incredible thing mm-hmm. but they actually happened uh so they went from being from... like the the atypical like prototype anarcho punk yeah. band to being properly fully glam and that's a big which, yeah it... big big uh transition there as well but yeah it didn't go down well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but this the name discharge is very punk though uh, but uh, it's, I, i'm not sure how glam it is but you know but maybe that's punk in itself just to go you know what, fuck it we're gonna do glam <laughs> i like that oh that now you, you what you've, you've just you've just opened up a black hole there <laughs> is it what you're what you're asking is is it more punk to stop being punk <laughs> yeah. or to carry on being punk. You know what? I would love to see like a TED talk of you doing like punk philosophy. Like what is punk and like what isn't punk? I've actually got a book called The Philosophy of Punk. Oh, wow. Like ne- like nearly and also like nearly every book on punk, it was someone's it was someone's um university uh, dissertation <laughs> yeah. that turned into a book. Like nearly every <laughs> book on punk is that. I'm gonna write about the thing I like. Yeah. But I mean, it was you know, it was like here's bringing it home to to your uh, area of per- pertinency. It was punk that punk's the reason I went vegan. Okay, yeah. You know, when I was involved in the in the punk scene in the, in the nineties, you know, animal rights and veganism were a really big part of it. So. Yeah, and yeah, there is, and it hit, to, to talk about more of a broader aspect of punk as well, and uh, well, and maybe uh, a lot of the music you picked today, uh, uh, punk is obviously very political, and uh, I, that's one of the reasons why I'm really drawn to it. It's not just the the what kind of the music side of it, the, but also like it, the the lyrics really drag you in as well. So, do you think that you listen to you like a lot more music which is political, or is it just kind of happenstance? It varies. I listen to a lot of music where the you know the underlying. I mean, I still listen to Burzum, mm-hmm. um, and you know, who, who, a man who who could not be further, <laughs> like literally further away from my politics. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's always a. It's, and we'll talk about this more when we come on to um, metal Saturday. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, with with my politics were massively influenced by punk, um, and and so. It, it's for me. It's always a, a wonderful bonus when when a band's politics yeah. al- align with mine. Like there's a band called Catharsis who uh, who I in fact might put on after discharge. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Who who um, are anarchists and and like proper anarchists and listening to them just makes me feel I don't know at ease. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gonna go out oh, right. Yeah. These are these 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 are my people, and I do I do. There's quite a few bands that I think their their music doesn't necessarily the music isn't necessarily what I most like listening to, but their politics make it a, a thing. You know? That's really that's really wonderful. I absolutely get that. And like, there's certain bands uh, as I mentioned, you bang on there. Like, if they may not be your musical favorites, but in terms of their lyrics and their politi- political ideals, kind of it makes you part of that family as well. It's, it's yeah. nice. So for sure. Um, after discharge, you said you're going to have catharsis. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, tell me more about catharsis. If I saw catharsis twice. Yeah. Once they got once they got shut down by the cops after two songs. Really? What, what happened there? Yeah. It was at the Golden Shoe in in Homerton. It's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. 
and neighbors complained it was too loud it got shut down <laughs> okay i thought it was going to be like uh, like like riots in the street and stuff like that is it just no no it's a noise complaint nah. <laughs> no the police the police love shutting stuff down and and, and in in the states shows get shut down by the cops all the time and when we've when we've played in the states we've been shut down by the cops three times oh really yeah yeah mm. And you don't fuck around with American yeah, police. Yeah, yeah. You go, sorry, I'll <laughs> stop. I'm sorry. You know, we've got a mixed race drummer as well, so we hide him as soon as the cops are around in America. Oh, it's, a, it's a real thing about like you know, just 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 a, like like from my incredibly privileged, you know, white privileged point of view, the the genuine fear I felt when we got pulled over in the states because Andy was driving on the you know on a new side of the road with a car I wasn't used to. We got pulled over because he was driving erratically, and we we're like. Jez is in the van. It, you suddenly go, oh, yeah. That that theoretical idea of of you know people of color being threatened by this, mm-hmm. this threat of, of, of you know it's it's some, something burdened. that I've never had an experience of as well. So to for it to be a real life thing just happened in there. Yeah. Going, okay, yeah, it's not a theoretical thing anymore. In for me in this yeah. moment, because uh, I'm sharing it, yeah. this experience with my friend. So there's another rule: yeah. no cops. Yeah. No cops. Yeah, no cops on site. Yeah, absolutely. Glassbury did. Glassbury didn't have cops on site till a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and now they wander around like this kind of. Oh, hello, we're the good cops. Yeah, like, well, fuck off. You know, we don't need you here. Yeah. Um, uh, and also there'll be, um, but there will be drug searches uh, and anybody found not bringing drugs in um, <laughs> so... will be, will be ejected from the premises. Cause look, if they're not for you, it's sharing is caring. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's kind of like if you go to a dinner party, you have to bring to kind of that's... bring a bowl, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So then, so after, so yeah, but catharsis, um, span off into anarchist propaganda thing called crime think and that is probably the biggest influence on my politics mm-hmm. um they've got an incredible book that everybody should read uh called days of war nights of love and it's just as polemic on anarchism and it's really beautiful oh brilliant um and then around the same time i was really into them i was massively into a band called kiss it goodbye now kiss it goodbye yes. yeah are um uh, uh th- they make me purely happy. <laughs> yeah. And they don't gig anymore. They did a couple of reunions. Basically, they put out an album and an EP. They came out of a band called Dead Guy, and there's actually a documentary about Dead Guy being made at the moment. But I thought I'd prefer Kiss It Goodbye. They did this album called She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not, and it's blisteringly heavy, and it's really mm-hmm. so misanthropic. And it has... It it has like the effect of unknown, like a cold shower on me. I just like mm-hmm. ah, I feel better. Yeah, you know, it's... and when, especially when you have that emotional connection to music as well. And because uh, uh, in all fairness, uh, I listened to like uh, some of that album like uh, about twenty minutes before this podcast, and uh, obviously I haven't had that connection to it yet, but I could see the appeal. And it's very, it's um, I, I know a lot of uh, heavy music it does it has a bellowing in vocals, but this in particular was like real, real guttural kind of raw. And uh, yeah, love that. Um, it's one of the most emotion, emotive and emotional vocal performances mm-hmm. of, of of anything because it's because it's it's rage, but it's rage coloured with so many other emotions. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's um, it's like a vulnerable range, not in a not in a new metal corn kind of <laughs> yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been bullied. Sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, all right, mate. We all have. Um, do a song about a dragon. Go on. Um, <laughs> I reckon Rob Halford wasn't bullied. Yeah, you know yeah I mean? exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, there are there are a couple of a couple of artists who um, have a soothing effect on my gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. 
and one of them is is kiss it goodbye there's there's something about the masculinity of that music that makes me feel better about being a bloke as opposed to being a woman um yeah and and yeah it, I, but that's 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 an, that's a record i've turned to a lot over the years and i would absolutely love to see them live i never saw them because they, they never yeah well well uh, yeah well you know what i'm gonna really get into that album afterwards as well thank you for that it's been it's meant it's amazing now a change of tone yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it's like a slight change of tone uh with a band that makes me happy but in a way that they are happy um this band i saw back in the 90s mm-hmm. um and i was even i even feature in their in their film about their um their tour i mean just like at one of their shows uh-huh. um and they it's funny because they they got quite big within the underground. Then they split up, but they kept getting bigger because the songs kept being played. And then I ended up seeing them on like the second stage of download, okay? and it's refused. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And refused their 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 final album of their original run is called The Shape of Punk to Come, and it's an absolute perfect thing. Mm-hmm. And and live they are a force of nature. Very good mates with the guys from Catharsis from the states, mm-hmm. and share a similar political view. And refused, crashed and burned spectacularly. Um, <laughs> but they, they made a very entertaining film about it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, and, and having seen them on a big stage, they would sue it. And, and their energy is very up. They're very, you know, it's, there's there's a joy to, to what they do. Um, and then we're going to, I'm going to slam right into the, the, the two headline acts on the Friday. So right? Two headline acts. It's, it's, well, I can't choose between these okay, two. Okay, cool. Right? And, and neither should have, should I have to. Minor threat. Yes, and Black Flag. Oh, mate! Yeah, Rollins. It's Rollins. It's Rollins era Black Flag. It's um, you know, it's 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 Rollins fronting Black Flag. Yes, and and great. It, you know, so I mean, Minor Threat, a band I, I will never get to see, um, but who I listen to on something like a, a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, and I think probably Minor Threat are my favourite hardcore band, my favourite punk band. Oh, wow. yeah. But Black Flag. Um, would be a better live band. Yeah. Okay. You know, you ha- I don't. Th- I, I wouldn't like to see Minor Threat having to close after Black Flag. So the Minor Threat is uh, more of a, your emotional kind of headliner, but also Black Flag is like for the for the the crowd. You can't argue with Black. No, you Flag can't. A lot of units, though. You can't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can't. Yeah, Minor. Th- I mean, I saw Greg Jin's version of. Uh, Greg Ginn, I can never, never <laughs> sure which of those pronunciations is correct. But I saw, yeah, I saw the Greg, uh, the Greg Ginn version of Black Flag last year. Mm-hmm. I went in cynical and with my arms folded, and uh, but I really, really dug it. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was incredible. And the, and the guy who was fronting them did did a good Hank impression, <laughs> uh, including like including like sort of like where he where he puts his other yeah. hand and that sort of thing. It was good. <laughs> and I think you know, I don't think there'd be a Oh, you couldn't have anybody following. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think that's uh, what a what a day, uh, and that, as a punk day, it's quite tight. I don't think there's any room to budge uh, um, in terms of uh, tone wise. So that's pretty perfect. And I think you said Let, let's go to bed and and uh, get high, and get drunk. Let's go to bed and let's wake up on Saturday morning, which I believe is Metal Saturday. Metal Saturday kicks off. Here we go with 1991 era Cannibal Corpse. Oh. Chris Barnes on vocals. Yeah. Right now, look. Uh, George Corpse Grinder Fisher is one of the best frontmen, mm-hmm. and I've seen Cannibal Corpse a lot, but only ever with with George. Mm-hmm. And he is a, to, as a front person of a band, he's he's superb. 
He's got the thickest neck in, in all of metal. <laughs> it's it's thicker than. In fact, I, I'll just I could just show you. Yeah. This is the band he used to be in, Monstrosity, right? Yeah. Um, there's a picture of him in here, right? <laughs> look, like. Seriously, oh my look at that god! Neck. It's it's like a like if a thumb was a person, that's kind of like neck size. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Right. Imagine imagine your thumb just comes straight yeah. out off your wrist. That's what it looks <laughs> <Yeah>. like. Um, <laughs> There's a, he does this thing during, and it's usually when they when they do hammer smashed face, yeah. which uh, people at home is a real song. <laughs> um, um, and he just he goes he goes, I want to see you headbang. Try and keep up with me. You will fail. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. Um, so they kick things off. Then we have That's perfect. And I'm and I'm going like if we put this on now, this is the order with which I would have to do it. Yeah. You then have 1994 era Sepultura from Brazil. Wow, yep. So it's on the Chaos AD tour. I like the root stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not as good. Yeah. And that that era, um, they are absolute legends. Yes. And what I'm loving is the specificity here, because you're really going for a certain uh, <laughs> tours. And like, I'm like genuinely, the more details, uh, these details are lovely. I'm absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you've got Max Cavalera wearing his um, urban camouflage cut of combat, yeah. um, and like some sort of crust band t-shirt. Um, yeah. Before they got, before the kind of commercial thing really started to turn them into something else, mm-hmm. um, when they were still, and you know, because Cassidy is such a political record. Um, and it, it's you know, it's and they were they were alive. I mean, from 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 then up until nineteen ninety six, they were just an incredible life force. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have now, cool. this isn't necessarily one of my favourite bands, yeah. But I'm curating, um, and it's Motorhead. Oh, cool! Yes. Now I've seen Motorhead four, or five times. I've seen them about three times. The last two times I saw Motorhead, I thought it might finish there. And yeah. Then. <laughs> Yeah, um, when they played when they played Glastonbury, um, they was it Glastonbury or Donington the last time they did. It was one, it was televised, I think, uh, and um, mm-hmm. and he they did Ace of Spades, and then they went into Overkill like they always do, yeah. and Lemmy started singing Ace of Spades. Again, <laughs> they are quite similar. Um, yeah, and then he had to have a little nudge, and no, no, wait, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> just like next track. Uh, but yeah, I um, you know what, I uh, when I was a teenager, properly loved Motorhead, and uh. As a teenager, I was kind of there for the final kind of... When I started going to gigs, was their kind of last kind of five years of uh, uh, performing. Right. And uh, yeah, they were a band that I, they were quite accessible, I guess, for me, because they, they played quite like yearly. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they really loved... And Motorhead gigs when you, when you were like 15, 16, it's just so perfect. But like the musically, I, I was aware then, but it's more so now that a lot... Like I think it's quite easy to maybe not easy, but like there's similarities in Motorhead songs as well. Like uh, so, it's, uh, yeah, they've got a formula, but they, but you know, they they were they were another massively reliable live band, yeah. and you know they they knew what they they knew the sort of music they wanted to play, and they did it, and they did it incredibly well, and and you know their their output is their output is really consistent. They didn't go off and do you know an album ballads or well, you know. Actually, I'm not sure if you heard the album, but there's one album when they actually went glam. It was very weird. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, I'm not having it. Right. <laughs> so then we have then we have uh, from from Florida the the metal not from Detroit and the punk but the Florida the metal death 
Um, yes. Oh, yes. Two so, very different ones. Yeah. I never got to see live. Chuck Shulner died of a brain hemorrhage uh, or brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, not from what I've seen, not the best live band in the world. <laughs> but a band that I would dearly love to be able to see. Yeah, because um, th- there's some bands, you know, might not be the most uh, evocative or most, uh, the best live band in the world, but you certainly want to see them live. You want to capture that, yeah. that essence as well. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know that much about death, but I certainly, uh, I did have to find the right death uh, in all fairness. And uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I had to spend... Well, the album, sim- I recommend the album Symbolic. That's my, yeah. that's my particular favourite. Um, but anything from their early output, Scream Bloody Gore, <laughs> that's a very, very good name Tell you for what, there are so many good tracks, <laughs> like names of tracks here. Seriously. Well. A lot of violence. Um, but yeah, they're... they're... You know, they're a, they're a band I want to I, I want to see. Uh, what about death? Is it which attracts you to them? Uh, craftsmanship, mm-hmm. I suppose. They're they're quite technical, and they're they're they're, they're towards towards their later stuff. They they push towards the melodic end of death metal, which I'm aware for people who don't know anything about death metal. Melodic death metal. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, yeah. what does death metal need more of? <laughs> Women? No, melody. Um, so. Um, <laughs> But but there is a, I mean a lot a lot an awful lot of death metal is catchy yeah because that's the thing like Napalm Death aren't death metal they oh they have a death metal influence later on but they're grindcore and death metal isn't you know it's it's a lot of death metal is about atmosphere more than it's about brutality but then there is also a subgenre called brute death metal we could be here yeah. all day it's, <laughs> it's angels on a pinhead yeah, right absolutely this is a punk force feel over again yeah. There's one I've forgotten, which is Panopticon. Yes. Um, so I'll yeah. put Panopticon. I'll, I'll probably put Panopticon on after Sepultura before Motorhead. Sounds good. Panopticon is a one-man, um, loosely black metal project. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an anarchist. He did an album called Kentucky, which is about Kentucky coal mining unions. Wow. Um, and he's an environmentalist and, a, and an anarchist. And... Uh, but he he incorporates uh, into his black metal sound bluegrass. Yeah, and so there's violin and there's or fiddle and there's banjo, and it works incredibly well because you can thrash on those instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've yet to see him live. And when he when he plays live, he plays with a with a with a drummer and with a with a bassist. With Panopticon again, the craftsmanship there. Like there's so many like layers of music going on as well. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's almost like. I almost took it for granted in the first listen because I was like, "Oh yeah," but it's like, "No, there's a lot going on here." They, they to be to really uh, admire as well, and yeah, it's just yeah, and it's, it also has an emotional heft to mm-hmm. it, which the best political music should. Yeah, because politics are emotive, you know. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I'll shove those back in sort of there, yeah. and then so the headline act, uh, it, which is a band who a band who haven't played live for well over 20 years um and uh it is um dark throne dark throne now i only dark throne are the um one of the original um true norwegian black metal bands um they started off technical death metal um and then uh, and then they went into this most incredible stripped down and atmospheric death metal style Mm -hmm. uh, sorry black metal style with uh, a blaze in the northern sky um and then their seminal album Trans- transylvanian hunger which is all about it's all about tempo mm-hmm. and it's all about like it, it's this relentless like lo-fi 
mid-tempo thing that just it's it's you know it's so much about feel and what the what the the second wave of of, of black metal um did was it was a focus away from the high fidelity weeks and weeks in the studio uh, trend within death metal mm-hmm. to lo-fi recording on shitty little <laughs> pv combo amps yeah. um and and it was all about a, a heavy metal atmosphere yeah um and Dark Throne continued to put out amazing records. They they went um, they went into uh, they now incorporate elements of new wave of British heavy metal yeah. and crust punk, mm-hmm. and they're they're just such a banging band. Yeah. And and to see them live, I mean, it would you know they they this is the cool thing. Fenris, who's the drummer and like the kind of frontman as well. Yeah. Um, he's new, um, drummer frontman. That's that's cool. He, well, he, no, he doesn't. He, I mean, you know, he he he's the face. It's like Lars is the face of Metallica. Yeah. He's the face of Dark Throne. He works for the post office, and his life. He's very very content. He works and and doing his job. He can listen. So he listens to like twenty records a day. Wow. Yeah. And ten of those are new to him. And then he writes. And then he. And so he's just this huge consumer and kind of curator of, of, of music. And he doesn't want to tour because he won't be able to do that. Yeah. It's really cool. That's, so, um, that's so sweet. Yeah. That's great. We'll throw mo- Yeah, we'll throw money at yeah. him to get him to, you know. And Right, so that's, the, that's, that's Heavy Metal Saturday. Okay, so we're going to go to bed and wake up. It's the third day of the festival. What kind of day have you got for us, Andrew? I'll I'll say classic rock Sunday. Classic rock Sunday. But there are but not all of them quite fit into the classic rock mold. Right. Okay. So you'll see what you'll you'll see the one that sticks out. <laughs> I have to try and guess. Yeah. We open with Thin Lizzy. Oh, ho, ho, that's amazing. Now we're yeah. not talking the thing that's touring now, yeah. but we're talking. Yeah. We're talking. Is it Black Star um, Riders, yeah. something like that? They've renamed themselves. I mean, there. I think there is still a version called Thin Lizzy. Okay. But, um, no, we're talking. You know, Probably. we're talking Jailbreak era. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're going to kick us off, and I mean, everyone here is going to. You know, you're going to dig. You're going to dig this. Oh, no, to, um, to be honest, like, I've loved it over two days, and but I think this is this Sunday is my day right here. We're gonna... Right. Next, we have the Kinks. Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have the Kinks from. And this might surprise you, the mid seventies to early eighties, because when they, because basically the Kinks, the Kinks fucked up their part of the British invasion. Yeah, they went out to America. They kept having fights and getting into trouble. Yeah. they got kicked out of America for years, and then they went back, and they were suddenly were a, were a stadium band. Mm-hmm. And so that the live chops from from when they so versions of things like Lola and Victoria from then have got this. So Dave uh, uh, was like Dave Davis was getting on more of a hard rock kind of feel. Mm-hmm. So that's the the version of them I'd really really like to see um, on this festival. Yeah. I mean, given given a Tardis, I will be just become a music a sixties yeah. music tourist, yeah. right? So the Kinks are on. Who can follow the Kinks? But the Who, and it's the oh Who. Oh my God, mate! With uh, you know, so we, we're we're heading we're now heading back to 1970. Yeah. Um. So it's the live at Leeds era, um. And so we've got um. Uh, we've got Moon back on drums. Yes. And uh, you know we get it's 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 the, it's the Pucker Who lineup. So it's basically like 40 minutes of their of their live at Leeds set. Yeah. Then and this is this is the one that doesn't quite fit, but it definitely doesn't fit the other day. We'll have quite a long interval after the move for everybody to recover, right? <laughs> yeah. Because then it's Tom Waits. Oh, lovely stuff. 
you know, and it's Tom Waits from the late eighties. Uh, while he still gave a shit about his live performances um, and wasn't phoning it in, um, and because uh, I think on record Tom Waits has never has never never let us down, mm-hmm. but um, the Glitter and Doom tour, which is his last tour, mm-hmm. he's it's, the vocals are all the kind of barking vocals. There's not as much dynamic to it. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So and and I have never and almost certainly will never see Tom Waits live. Yeah, and I think. Uh, you said that Tom Waits doesn't quite fit into the classic rock mold, but it does fit into this day really nicely, actually, because I think uh, it I think so, it, yeah. it kind of uh, to not like talk about not to mansplain your own festival, but like to, <laughs> but to uh, the, the fact that it's it's got that Sunday vibes because Tom Waits is like like you know he's like a bit more chilled out and you know but and yeah there's a lot of um, dynamic going on there which I really love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bands you're supposed to listen to. Yeah, I actively listen to. Right, so. We're into the second, so the second to last band, mm-hmm. the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Oh my God! Oh, what? And um, who's on the top, Jimmy? So we're, That's great. Yeah. we're talking. We're talking before. So we're probably talking just after Electric Ladyland's come out, mm-hmm. when they're still something of a coherent band. Um, he can play the material off Electric Ladyland, but before he. Um, sort of starts to blow things apart in terms of the, the lineup. Um, and so it's, so it's still the power trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Hendrix is my favorite recording artist of all time. Um, it's unlikely I'll ever get to see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, and I, but I want it, I want it to be the, the kind of the touring version rather than the experimental Woodstock um or kind of i mean i love band of gypsies but but i want it to be that power that that almost like like hendrix channeling the british invasion which is what he, you know he did in that era mm-hmm. so who can top hendrix right uh, so genuinely this day is uh pushing me to my limits i'm like so at woodstock at woodstock yeah hendrix was the highest paid musician in the world really yeah, so the thing that people don't seem to know about Hendrix was Hendrix was fucking massive. Yeah, and the thing is because everyone sold so many records in the in the in the sixties. Um, but yeah, Hendrix was Hendrix was was huge, and he was he was the highest paid highest paid recording artist that year. Headlining, it's the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Uh, what? And oh my god! It's, you know, and it's, it's what a day. It's, it, it is the Beatles um, with at their you know at their touring era so it's the shea stadium era 63 but say was again, that 1963 about that round about that i think no six i think shea stadium was 65 or 66 apologies okay. if you listen to that gig they can't hear each other but they're still really really tight yes which is ludicrous yeah and because like but they're like the tightest band in the world mm-hmm. Like that gig is like, a, and so this is like height of beatlemania like really crowd screaming as much as possible like uh yeah yeah, yeah. oh but we give them, you know, twenty-first century monitors yeah. and amps. And there's a frustrating thing that literally Marshall around that time, Marshall was working with um, with Pete Townsend on getting amps loud enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the bit was, oh, we can't hear ourselves, we won't bother. No, but you could <laughs> just talk to him because he. Oh. But then they were make Sergeant Pepper. So yeah. here's an interesting thing. Yeah. Apparently, Sergeant Pepper was a really boring album to watch being made. <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember where I read this, but someone said like you because it's such a you know yeah. it's like very seminal sixties album absolutely, but, but like 
it took them months and months, and there was like they're generally one of them in the studio, and then maybe three of them, and it just it was so such a slow process. But yeah, so the the Beatles, the Beatles Shea Stadium. Yeah, my dad saw the Beatles twice. Really? And yeah, in the, yeah. But now he's got dementia. He he tells us he's met them. <laughs> like, this is news to me. Oh, but yeah, bless. so I'll probably take my dad along for that. Yeah. Day, yeah, I tell you what, like I'm actually shocked that the Beatles haven't been picked a lot on this um, podcast because they, uh, as a again uh, as a teenager, I loved metal, but Beatles were um, never a band I I fell in love with as well. They, they have a, a wide range of albums and uh, emotive things. Without yeah, it was it, I I love the Beatles and I would love to see them play together live as well. Yeah, I mean that particularly that you know at that point when they you know they'd been playing solidly just every day yeah. for, for their entire adult life yeah. um yeah that, that that era of that era of musician there's there's something about the 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 life on the road that makes them that makes them really special mm-hmm. in a way that bands just you know don't get to be anymore you know we don't there isn't enough of a live circuit for bands to play every day um absolutely uh, you know so yeah so that's so so we've we've finished with the beatles uh, yeah, uh, so I think that's a um, well. Your festival's amazing, but I think it's time. To, uh, like honestly, I, uh, I'm. I've sold one ticket well, already. Right? Hey, I, I'm going to buy all the tickets, and it's just going to be me <laughs> just like dancing along. Uh, so we're going to head to the final part of our podcast called Floor Fillers. As with event management, and particularly with this festival, things are bound to go wrong. So here are a couple of hypothetical questions that Andrew has to deal with in a manner that he sees fit. Uh, oh no, the Beatles have cancelled last minute. Which other artist would you like last minute as a headline replacement? The Beach Boys. Oh, you didn't even have to think. It was right there. Go. Right. Yep. That's... Yep. Shove them in. <laughs> the, the... Get Brian on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, I like it in, uh, in my head that they're just kind of in the wings, just waiting, just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> the understudy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there are mosh pits and there's walls of death going on in your festival. But to honor you, your fans are asking uh, to do the Andrew O'Neill. So what, what kind of thing, if uh, instead of like a mosh pit or a wall of death, what's the Andrew O'Neill? What would that be? Oh, this is, cla- this is classic, right? And you're going to see this a lot of festivals over the, like, over the uh, future. The Andrew O'Neill, right? involves uh-huh. sleeping in too late <laughs> to see any of the bands that you wanted to see in the morning or early part of the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Andrew Neil. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what I love about that is that, uh, because that, that, that really adds the, the theme of what stock as well. Like, please, as all, you know, the bands are opening the festival going, just please, please have a sensible night. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, please have a sensible That's night. That's the rival festival. Yeah. Please have a just just go to bed early. Uh, all the bands finish at eight o'clock. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm so bad at catching everyone I want to see. Like so so bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know a festival like Glastonbury where you can't really plan it. You just have to wander around. But even you know at download when you're going right right. There's basically four stages. Who's oh no who's oh I've I've forgotten. Uh, and they've got the apps, but they still don't they don't work on me those apps. Yeah. Okay. So that's the Andrew Neil. Really. <laughs> Remain in bed. <laughs> and uh, final question: Two bands that you but hate each other's guts. That is, uh, we're going to choose uh, 
uh, kiss it goodbye and napalm death yeah. hate each other if you had to choose oh. between the two of them uh and they said we won't play if the other one plays if you had to choose between the two of them which one would you pick well as much as i love napalm death i've seen them loads mm-hmm. and you know so so for my own enjoyment it's it's the it's the one of my favorite bands that i've never seen so it's gonna be kiss it goodbye sorry lads <laughs> Well, I think that's a pretty good way to finish off Philophilus. Thank you so much for your festival. Uh, I really appreciate a that. pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll love to have you back in the future to do a, another one of these uh, in a couple of years' time. But uh, yeah, where can people find you online and would you like to plug anything? Yeah, my Patreon is what I would like to plug. Uh, so it's patreon.com slash Andrew O'Neill. Uh, I'm making uh, lots of content for that. Videos and audio book reading things and, and, and sp- this whole stand-up, solo stand-up shows and there's music and all sorts on there. Um, and if you basically type Andrew O'Neill comedy into any of the social media things, you'll find my iteration and my corner of that. And yeah, I'm doing online shows every week mm-hmm. um, on Zoom and that sort of thing. So people can find me where you find those things. That's brilliant. And uh, I don't usually say this because uh, people have already plugged it, but if you really love like metal and or like uh, love music mixed with comedy i think andrew o'neill's like the perfect person to go to as well because like uh there's there's some really amazing bits and really innovative comedy which you should definitely check out so thanks mate yeah uh thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and uh thank you very much andrew o'neill thank you thank you bye thank you so much for listening to castable please follow us at castable podcast on twitter and send us an email with any kind of general inquiries at castablepodcast at gmail.com Send us your dream lineup as well. Please give us five stars on iTunes. It helps with publicity. And please share this podcast with all your friends. Thank you very much. I've been Matt Hoss. See you soon. Bye.